Well, it turns out that there are many Jameses. There were two disciples named James, St. James the Less, brother or cousin of Jesus of Nazareth and the author of the New Testament epistle, and St. James the Greater, the first apostle to be martyred. There were six King Jameses of Scotland and two of England, beginning with James I, who commissioned the authorized or King James version of the Holy Bible, There are the literary Jameses, James Joyce, Henry James, his brother William James, a sister Alice as well, and James Jones among them. And we can include outlaw Jesse James, his brother Frank James, and the James Gang. James Bowie, the American frontier hero, killed along with every other man at the Battle of the Alamo. His brother made him the famous hunting fighting knife that bears his name and the actor James Dean, whose personal legend helped define the post-World War II era. James was the name of my older brother, and finally my father's name was James, though everyone called him Jack. He died not two weeks before the publication of my first novel, Close Quarters, which made that a paradoxical and contrary event. Indeed, exhausted grief accompanied by exhausted relief. Larry Heineman, Swift Lake, Wisconsin, November 7th, 2004. Paco's Story 1. The First Clean Fact Let's begin with the first clean fact, James. This ain't no war story. War stories are out. One, two, three, and heave-ho into the lake you go with all the other alewife scuzz and foamy harbor scum. But isn't it a pity? All those crinkly, soggy sorts of laid-by tellings crowded together as thick and pitiful as street cobbles, floating mushy bellies up like so much moldy shag rug, dead as rusty-ass doornails and smelling so peculiar and unchristian. Just isn't it a pity? Because here and there and yonder among the corpses are some prize-winning, leg-pulling daisies, some real pop-in-the-oven muffins, so to speak, some real softly lobbed, easy-out line drives. But that's the way of the world, James, or so the fairy tales go. The people with the purse strings and apron strings gripped in their hot and soft little hands denounce war stories, with perfect diction and practiced gestures, as a geek monster species of evil, ugly rumor. A geek, James, is a carnival performer whose whole act consists of biting the head off a live chicken or snake. These people who denounce war stories stand bolt upright and proclaim with broad and timely sweeps of the arm that war stories put other folks to sleep where they sit. When the contrary is more to the truth, James... Any carny worth his cash box, not dead or in jail or squirreled away in some county nuthouse, will tell you that most folks will shell out hard-earned greenback cash every time to see artfully performed, urgently fascinating, grisly and gruesome carnage. Other people, getting witty and spry, floor of the Senate, let me read this here palaver into the Congressional Record showboat oratorical, slip one hand under a vest flap and slide one elegantly spit-shined wingtip shoe forward ever so clever 
and swear and be damned if all that snorting at war stories doesn't rattle windows for miles around, all the way to Pacorniville, or so the papers claim. Pacorniville, James, is a real place, you understand. A little bit of a town between Wheeling and Half Day at the junction of U.S. Route 12 and Aptekissick Road, a Texas gas station, a Swedish bakery, and Don't Drive Betty By Motel. And a distinct but mouthy minority, book-learned witchcraft amateurs and half-savvy street punks and patriots for cash, for some piddling hand-to-mouth wage, James, slyly hang their heads and secretly insinuate that the snoring, honk, honk, the way a good mean shake-shake like a ragdoll snore snaps at you, James, is nothing if it isn't the apocalypse itself choking on its own spit, trying to catch its breath for one more go-round. And the geeks and freaks and sideshow grifters of this world hear the dipstick yokels soaking up a shill like that. Well, damned if they don't haul off a belly laugh. Haw, haw, haw. They know a prize-winning shuck when they hear one, James. They lean back in their folding lawn chairs lined up in front of their setups and shacks, the skill throw and ring toss and guess how many pennies in the jar bub and such as that, and slap their thighs hard enough to raise welts, all the while whispering among themselves that the rubes of this world will never get the hang of things. Now, according to some people, folks do not want to hear about Alpha Company, us grunts, busting jungle and busting cherries from landing zone skater gator to Scatmandu, wherever that is, humping and hauling ass all the way. We used French colonial maps back then. The names of towns and map symbols and elevation lines crinkled and curlicued and squeezed together as incomprehensible as the Chiricahua dialect of Apache. We never could decipher a goddamned thing on those maps, so absolutely and precisely where Scatmandu is, tongue cannot tell. But we asked around and followed Lieutenant Stennant's nose, flashing through some fine firefight possibilities, pungy pits the size of copper mines, not to mention hog pens and chicken coops, scattering chickens and chicken feathers like so many wood chips. We made it to the Fountain Square in downtown Scatmandu and back to LZ Skater Gator in an afternoon, James, singing snatches of arias and duets from Simone Bocanegra and the Flying Dutchman at the top of our socks. But what we went there for, no one ever told us, and none of us, what was left of us that time, ever bothered to ask. And some people think that folks do not want to hear about the night at Firebase Sweet Pea when the company got kicked in the mouth good and hard, street fight hard, and wound up spitting slivers of brown teeth and bloody scabs for a fortnight. Lieutenant Stennett had us night loggered in a lumpy, rocky slope down the way from high ground, his first, but by no stretch of your imagination his last, mistake. And you could hawk a gob of phlegm and spit into the woodline from your foxhole, James. And it was raining to beat the band, and no one was getting any sleep. And just after midnight, according to Gallagher's radium dial watch, some zonked-out zip crawled up sneaky close in the mangled underbrush and whispered in the pouring rain, Hey, you! 
Richard Nixon is a egg-sucking hunk of runny owl shit. And then Paco and the rest of us heard him and some other zip giggling. Tee-hee-hee-hee, as though that was the world's worst thing they could think to say, and would provoke us into rageful anger. But before any of us could wipe the rain out of our eyes, Jonesy raised his head from his rucksack, where he was taking one of his famous naps, fucking the duck, we called it, and stage whispered right back, Listen, you squint-eyed spook, you ain't telling me anything I don't know. Then they whispered back at us with one voice, as giggly and shivery cute as a couple smart-ass six-year-olds, Gee, I, you die tonight, and then giggled some more. Paco blinked his eyes slowly, glancing out of the corners as if to say he didn't believe he heard what he knew he heard, and shook his head, saying out loud, What do these zips think this is, some kind of chicken shit Bruce Dern, Michael J. Pollard, John Wayne movie? G.I., you die tonight? What kind of a fucked up attitude is that? Then he leaned over his sopping wet rucksack in the direction of the smirking giggles, put his hands to his mouth megaphone fashion, and said, Hawk shit, loud enough for the whole company to hear. Put your money where your mouth is, slopehead, he said. Whip it on me. So later that night they did. They greased half the fourth platoon and Lieutenant Stennett's brand new radio man, and we greased so many of them it wasn't even funny. The lieutenant got pissed off at Paco for mouthing off and getting his radio man blown away so soon, but that was okay, because the lieutenant wasn't wrapped too tight, as Jonesy would say. The next morning, we got up, brushed ourselves off, cleared away the airstrike garbage, the firefight junk and jungle junk,